And welcome back to Hey Eintracht Frankfurt, the Bundesliga podcast on everything there is known the English language about Eintracht Frankfurt, the best club in the Bundesliga, the best club in Germany, the best club in Europe, the best club in the world for that matter. But we're a little bit biased. I'm your host, Brian Sanders. You can follow me on Twitter at KCSGE. Follow the show, more importantly, on Twitter. That is at HEFPod. You can follow the show on Facebook. That is Facebook.com slash HEFPod for all the latest Eintracht news in the English language. From uh, videos to articles to recent posts of this podcast. All can be found right there. Uh, you can also drop us an email. That is hey Eintracht Frankfurt at gmail.com and uh yeah so eintracht has been kind of busy in recent matches just to kind of recap since it's been a second since we've been uh at the helm uh we had our match we had a couple matches we had Bayern uh losing to them in the pokal sad but you know look looked pretty good then we played hertha berlin uh, that was fun four to one win though noticeably uh, two matches in a row, I should point out. Hertha Berlin, uh, first half red card that kind of helped, gave us a little edge. And then Eintracht took on the Schalke Nulfia and uh, put on a 2-1 win, where Schalke also had a red card, though a little bit later in the match as an American. I didn't mind so much that they'll, if the Schalke had to get at least ping one goal back, that it was at least Weston McKinney, but that's from a selfish Americana standpoint. Um, Eintracht has the 33rd match day of the Bundesliga season. Uh, remember, uh, for match day 33 and 34, all matches are then played simultaneously, so the table is going to be shifting as each match has its own individual moments of brilliance and sadness, you know, goals galore. It's a quite interesting thing if you're able to access a Bundesliga conference feed and uh to help us preview uh eintracht versus cologne um had to uh reach out to a, a guy who i've been following on the social media for quite some time uh you might have heard him on the tribunal podcast and through various other uh, uh podcasts out there it is felix tamzuk felix how are you and welcome to the podcast Hi, thank you for having me. I'm very well, thank you. Um, it is almost one o'clock here in Cologne at night. Um, wonderful, uh, a wonderful uh, summer night, I would say. And uh, yeah, everything's uh, everything's okay, apart from the football. But we'll get there, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, we'll let's get let's get right to it. So Cologne, you know. Sure, there are, is some animosity between Eintracht and Cone when it does come to uh, the Ultras, but let's leave it aside. Uh, Cologne, one of the more traditional teams uh, when it does come to uh, Bundesliga history. Uh, they they came back uh, to us after a year away uh, being promoted from the Zweite Liga, the Zweite Bundesliga. And uh, yeah. Uh, Eintracht fans will remember Armin Vey, the former two-time uh, appointee as manager, was managing director at, at the start of the season. You also had Achim Bayerleutzer, who was starting out as manager. Though things kind of didn't go their way, Felix. Uh, Bayerleutzer only was giving, what, 11, uh, 11 matches, uh, basically, the, until the November international break, and uh, cut ties. And thanks to 
been quite uh, interesting ever since. Uh, can you tell us a little about, about uh, at least uh, the early part of the Cologne uh, season? Yeah, the beginning of the season was pretty disastrous. Achim Bayalota is a good coach. I don't think there's any doubt about that. His ideas for playing football are um, definitely um, positive. I would definitely want to see a football team playing the Achim Bayalota way. Unfortunately, it did not really fit with his squad. It did not really fit with a certain uh, uh, brand of football that fit the players that he he had. Uh, that we still have in Cologne, um, and have to say it honestly, it failed miserably. Uh, it failed uh, completely. Um, um, when Achim Bayalotza left Cologne, we were uh, second to last, if I recall. We were on the uh, on the on the basically safe route to getting relegated again, um, and uh, that's why the uh, the club decided to uh, sack him. And I. I, I'm not the person that sort of uh, is quick to praise the club for sacking managers. I don't think that's generally um, the way to go. I think in this particular case, it was sort of necessary because it was pretty clear that the playing style that Achim Bayalotza tries to sort of put forward, it's good, it's fun, but it doesn't fit his squad of players. Um, and that was that was made even clearer after he had left and after... Um, we've had a new coach that sort of had ideas that sort of fit the sort of players he had. Um, then the results started coming. So um, that's basically my uh, my uh, uh, summary of Achim Bayalotza's time in the club. The one thing I'll never forget from that time, um, I'm for the most part, I'm there at every game, home and away. And I was at the stadium when we played against Zarbrücken in the DFB Pokal. Uh, in Saarbrücken, Völklingen, next to Saarbrücken, um, it was one of the most horrible exper- footballing experiences I can remember. Um, mm. The football was not very good, and we lost to a fourth division team, so that says everything you need to know. Well, to be fair, uh, they ended up being able to scalp basically everyone else and t- all the way to the semifinals, the first ever club to from the from the fourth division, from the Vecinal Liga, uh, to have made it to the semifinal. So kudos to them. It's just a shame that due to obvious reasons with the COVID-19 virus that it wasn't, you know, played in front of a full stadium of fans because anyone who would have watched even the highlights of that match saw just the disparity uh, and talent there. But you mentioned moved on to a different coach, and this coach uh, has actually been around the Bundesliga uh, and other leagues in Germany quite a lot. It is Marcus Gisdol, most recently uh, coach of uh, hum, uh, HSV when uh, oh. they actually got uh, relegated. And uh, yeah, the, save them. And then they get relegated after they got rid of him. But, you know, he's always been a guy who I had thought was one who played an attractive style. And he is able to get a lot out of the talent that is there. Good things will happen. And apparently that's been what has, uh, what happened once he got to Cologne. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think I think his style of play has surprised many. I mean, not many Cologne fans were very optimistic when he was appointed. Um, many people saw it uh, very critically, thought it was a bit of a boring move on behalf of the management. But at the end of the day, um, when 
when he just came into office. Um, his ideas were very clear. Marcus Gistol is a very, very, very diverse coach. He knows how to fit a certain tactics to a certain team um, in accordance to its squad. Uh, there's a reason Marcus Gistol was, has never been relegated in his career. He knows what's a relegation fight uh, like. Um, the the highest foul example is a very good example, of course. Uh, but uh, at the same time, um, yeah, the the brand of football, the style of football the FC played in the beginning, it was so much fun to watch. Um, it started like a, an incredible series of of good results of like eight wins out of what eleven or twelve games it was. Um, started with Everkusen at home, then of course we had Frankfurt away, which was an incredible experience. And uh, it kept on coming. So results were coming. And basically, um, thanks to this run of form that we've had, um, that's basically the reason why we were going to stay up. Uh, at some point, it also looked as if uh, there's a chance of Cologne even making it to Europe. Uh, but uh, the Corona break did its part. And um, obviously, results hasn't been, haven't been going our way recently. Um, uh, for all sorts of reasons, but um, I think the, the the assessment was was generally okay. The the idea was staying up, and we will most likely stay up. So in that sense, Gisdol did what he what he was appointed for. Kind of looking at the way that the fixtures worked out of uh, Cone, um, it started really with that two 0 victory of, uh, over Leverkusen, uh, a rather forgettable. Uh, 4-2 come from behind victory uh, in the Ingolstadt-Volka right before <laughs> the end of the Hinrunde uh, in Frankfurt. Yuch. Uh, it's going to be a while until I get that bad taste out of my mouth from that one. Yeah, to be it, frank. It, it, it was a good day, so good in fact that I can't remember a single thing of it because I was so drunk at the stadium that I... <laughs> I've completely forgot about the whole thing, but uh, fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> Not saying anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you guys, during, uh, you had a 10-match spell in the lead-up to uh, with to a rescheduled uh, uh, Ryan Derby uh, against the Foles, Gladbach, the first match to be played behind closed doors. Who would have thought that, you know, Within two day, within like forty eight hours of the completion of that match, the entire you know soccer landscape of the entire world would just be shut down like all at once. Um, ever since that match, though, um, should point out ten matches played for for Cone, eight wins, and the only two losses being to Dortmund and Munich, and just saying that's. Uh, those are your only two losses during that run. Quite a run indeed. Um, yeah. Were you getting caught up in the Cologne to Europe chatter that was uh, starting to show up as we were entering March? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I was <laughs> definitely sort of trying to uh, cool myself down, but many people around me started sort of semi-talking about maybe making it to Europe. But 
once the corona break uh, did its part, once 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 football uh, started taking place behind closed doors, it didn't matter anymore. I mean, even if we would have made it to Europe, making it to Europe doesn't mean. I think I think it's um, if there's anyone who will understand this sentiment among Cologne fans, it's probably Eintracht Frankfurt fans. Making it to Europe means nothing if you cannot travel, if you cannot experience it at the stadium, if you cannot um, support your team from the ground, be it in Cologne or somewhere else in Europe. It's pointless. There is no point in making it to Europe if we cannot be there. So in that sense, once once the corona break, um, once it was clear corona is going to be with us for a while, which would mean also the beginning of next season would take place probably without fans, it didn't matter anymore. It it stopped being a thing all of a sudden. Yeah, it's something that the Bundesliga is going to have to kind of challenge themselves because with, from a medical standpoint, when you, when you hear stories of a second wave that then hit the initial countries that were played by this virus, I'm talking about China and South Korea, who have talked about how it really impacted their lives. It's something that will probably keep fans away from the stands. I don't care what, you know, in Italy they're saying, oh yeah, fans will be able to return to the stands and maybe, you know, late July, early August, and all I can do is just shake my head and think to myself, you know what, we should just be happy at the fact that we are able to see a spectacle that makes us happy. Sure, it is a very, I would say, almost bastardized version of it. But I almost think it is a good thing in the fact that you see no fans. You don't hear the chanting. I prefer not to hear, you know, the fake crowd noise because then to someone who is watching, they want they are supporting their team. They're watching them through thick and thin. But it gives a stark reminder to folks that when we are given the opportunity to return to the stands, we need to cherish it because as we have seen, having that ripped away from us, you really then think of how much the match day experience, you know, meeting with your friends before the match, having a beer, you know, going, uh, tra- taking public transport uh, on the S-Bahn to the Waldstadion, you know, Walking through the forest, smelling the beer vendors, you know, cooking, uh, sm- smelling the sausage vendors, excuse me, frying things up and, you know, getting one out there right before you enter into the stadium, before you then spend 90 minutes yelling and screaming your head off, cheering your own team. I think this is able to almost remind folks of how wonderful that match experience is and how it needs to be protected at all costs once we are allowed back in yeah i mean i totally think there's a there's a there's a very different there's a very stark different difference of opinion between uh that's the impression I'm, i've been receiving anyways um there's a very stark difference of opinion between people that actually consume football from the game from the stadium and know what it's like to exactly make the exact same journey you've just described. I mean, in Frankfurt, it means taking the Straßenbahn from the Hauptbahnhof, uh, leaving uh, the Straßenbahn uh, at the stadium, walking under this small bridge where all the sausages, all the sausage vendors are, and sort of getting the atmosphere, walking through the through the Wald, through the forest to get to the stadium. It's all part of a certain experience that currently doesn't exist. And I think this uh, creates a very, very... Um, interesting difference in perception of of the Geisterspiele, of of the current situation between people that usually consume football through television 
and those that consume it through the stadium. Uh, I don't think there's a right or wrong here. It's definitely um, it's definitely an exception, a situation which um, basically has all sorts of repercussions and all sorts of different um, aspects which are all legit. And I, I definitely don't judge anyone for uh, being for Geisterspieler or whatever uh, from the position of a, let's call it a TV viewer. Um, for me personally, as someone that consumes football, 90% of the time at the stadium rather than through TV, um, I have to say that the current situation means that I am, um, yeah, I feel like this is not, this this doesn't have a lot to do with the sport I fell in love with. Uh, this has not much to do with the fact that um, me going to football is not only for the football, it has a lot to do with like social circles, it has a lot to do with um, with uh, the, the people you see, the experience here in Cologne, uh, you take the Straßenbahn, the tram or the bus to the stadium, you see this massive banner that says, this massive sign that says Stadion, you walk through it, you sort of have the feeling of match day with like thousands of other people, you meet people you know, you ask them how they are, what's new in their lives. It's much more than just going to a stadium, watching football and go home, have a few drinks afterwards. It's all part of a certain experience on a match day. Um, and this, I feel like in my life, regardless of my work as a journalist, etc., in my life, it's 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 a, it's a massive, massive hole. Um, and I really hope it would... Um, it would re like football would resume in the form that we all know it uh, at some point um, in the next uh, coming months because again um, it's it's something that I I really do feel is missing in my life right now and um, yeah you you are right to point out I think that um, there will be a certain level of yeah cherishing the moment once 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 we are able to return to to stadiums and once we are able to meet our friends again and have beers with them and speak with them about how they how they went through this whole period and uh were they struggling were they well are, is is everything okay i mean we're obviously in contact regardless of that but still the sort of faces you meet the people you see the sort of feeling of something familiar um, it's something that I'm definitely missing a lot right now. We're all in the same boat, my man. We're all in the same boat. So, since we have started with Geisterspiele, Cone has not exactly favored too well uh, to kind of go over the successes or failures or whichever would in each way that uh, they come along. So, Cologne has uh, picked up three points from uh, two uh, two two draws and one two one one draw against uh, Mainz, Dusseldorf, and Augsburg, respectively, with losses to Hoffenheim, Leipzig, Union, and uh, of course Leverkusen, which is never fun. Um, what have what has been the difference? Because uh, Cohen was on such a run before the break, and now things have. Not exactly gone too well, but hey, you know, he had plenty of points uh, to be able to ensure uh, safety for another year of the Bundesliga. Hurrah! Uh, but what, what's what been going on that has caused the Billy Goats to just uh, bag only three points uh, since we've returned back to uh, uh, foosball being played again? I think uh, it's, it's a combination of a few factors. First of all, 
Um, the first few, few games that did not really go our way against uh, Mainz and Dusseldorf, those were games that I am pretty sure we would have won should fans have been in attendance. Um, Especially one against of the, Dusseldorf, because that would have been the fans would have been so up for that. Yeah, exactly. It's our. It's one of our derbies. It's a. It's a very heated game, and um, I'm pretty sure that also when it comes to the Mainz game, I mean the Mainz game, not. Not many people know that, but up until recently, um, there was a big disagreement between the Ultras and the club when it comes to choreos. Um, that's the reason why for three and a half years there were no choreos at the Mungersdorfer Stadion. Um, and this period of time should have been ended at the Mainz game. Um, um, basically, the new management uh, sort of came into uh, some sort of agreement with the fans, with fan representatives. Um, about the controversial aspects and the, the game against mine should have been the first time a courier should have been presented at the Mungersdorfer Stadion, which did not happen thanks to Corona. Just think of all the money and all the investment that uh, people have put into this uh, courier that basically was for nothing. Um, and generally speaking, I think the general sentiment around the club before the Corona break was so positive, was so, um, yeah, people were happy to go to games, people were happy to support, people were happy to sing. Uh, and this feeling of optimism, it's it's catchy. It's catching to, to players because um, at a stadium like Cologne, where when people sing at, in Cologne, you hear them and you hear them quite loudly. Again, it's very similar to Waldstadion in that sense. Um, and I think I think that that sort of a bit of extra motivation and extra push would have been enough against Mainz. And I'm pretty sure that would have been the case against Dusseldorf as well. Uh, but given that those two games went uh, did not go our way um, in that sense, I think it's sort of so, sort of a snowball that keeps on rolling. Uh, now there's an, a question of confidence. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it, Gisdol has a task on his hands, definitely. Um, but I think it's mostly that the, the sort of um, now it's mostly lack of confidence. I feel there's a few injuries which were which hardly are hardly helpful, but generally speaking, I think the question is confidence, and the, and the, the question is how do you pull through this period of results where things do not go your way, where you don't have your fans to rely on, where you don't have this extra bit of energy. And I don't think Cologne, uh, Cologne's players have found the formula yet. It's yet to be seen if it will happen this season. Um, as long as we don't re get relegated I, at this point, I genuinely don't mind. But um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how the games against uh, SGN Bremen will um, sort of reflect the sentiment among uh, SF second players. Yeah, I can only imagine, especially for the, the final match that you mentioned, uh, it kind of depends more on how Mainz uh, versus uh, Bremen actually goes this weekend will kind of dictate what kind of team you definitely will be facing uh, for next week's match. I mean, goodness gracious, if Bremen happens to win, <laughs> it's yeah. going to be all hands on deck. And uh, golly, if uh, another Northern team can just stick it out for one more season, you know, uh, the Bundesliga, the Bundesliga people would be happier uh, as a as something that can be shown to the world to have a Bremen uh, in the Bundesliga uh, instead of uh, a Mainz in the Bundesliga. Uh, 
but that's but uh yeah i'm not a little bit i'm not the least bit bitter about still getting beaten uh two nil just a couple weeks ago not at all not at all felix you know d- didn't even didn't even creep into my mind whatsoever <laughs> um so that being said Felix, something I wanted to kind of ask, uh, as you have been kind of covering, uh, looking at the Bundesliga from you know from a fan's point of view, you're in the you're in the stadium on a match day and seeing the way that you know things have played out uh, due to the coronavirus. Um, there's a lot of clubs in the Bundesliga that were claiming that there was going to be money issues if the season did not get resumed. Uh, Two teams that come to mind, both in blue, uh, Schalke Nufia and SA Paderborn. Uh, those two clubs were really in the position. And Union, I think you mentioned that they would be in a really tough financial bind. And I think Mainz would have fallen in that. Augsburg would have fallen in that a tiny bit. Uh, was Cologne in uh, a position where they were their management was like you know we can survive this it will really it will be tight but we can survive this or was the club very much part of the big push to get the Bundesliga back because it was very apparent with Schalke and who have just debts just up to their eyeballs and Paderborn who while maybe not exactly full of debt just doesn't really run can't really run doesn't run on much money and so just being in the Bundesliga is able to keep the club going you know mm-hmm. after they had such a crazy upwards trajectory after falling so far what what position was Cologne from a financial point of view uh, during the when the pandemic hit that's a good question I think generally speaking the club is in a very good financial situation that's the the, the club and and CEO Alexander Vela said it all along that um, it's definitely not an easy time, but we will survive this, and that generally speaking, we can, uh, we can, and we will pull through. Um, again, the club is in a relatively good situation financially right now. Um, however, according to reports, Alex Vial, he's uh, he's in the uh, um, he's a DFL director as well, and some reports said that he was one of those pushing for football to return um at the same time i don't think it's because of cologne situation but maybe it's more of a um more of a macro look uh, onto football and what really matters to other clubs uh, but cologne situation is not even close to being as dire as the one of schalke or or some other clubs i think cologne um yeah, I mean the, the the club is according to the most recent uh, to the most recent uh, AGM at the very at least that was in September. The next one comes in a few months. Um, the club is in a good situation despite the relegation from two seasons ago, despite the season in the Bundesliga. Um, have to remember, Asta FC Köln is a big big club. Um, lots of supporters, more than 110,000 members in terms of number of members, the strongest club in Germany after uh, Dortmund, Schalke and Bayern. Um, so generally speaking, things are okay. Um, but the club has been financially hit. That's, but all of them did. So in that sense, I don't think we're, we're different. Um, and our situation certainly better than many others, certainly better than Schalke's in that sense. 
Well, that's good to hear because as an Eintracht fan who wants the Bund- who as a just general Bundesliga fan wants you know your big traditional clubs to be within the league, you also want them to be in a position where they are not having to you know just declare insolvency as we saw with uh, Erste. Uh, FC Kaiserslautern. Uh, what was that? Just a week ago, when they declared that they are going to have to go into uh, bankruptcy, whole, you know. And as an American, you know, uh, who has a strong affinity for those who have served in the military, uh, a lot of armed forces veterans have talked positively, and those who have spoken to me about their time in Cape Town and. It's just a real concern when you hear about, you know, any club that's, you know, regardless of whether they're a Paderborn size or a Schalke size, it's horrible when you hear that clubs are going down. And especially when you have this model of 50 plus one, you just, I, as a fan, just fear for the future of 50 plus one, that there's going to be more and more uh, people calling for more concessions when, you know, we already have, we already allow for Hertha to have this mega cash injection, allow for Stuttgart to have a major cash injection, Wolfsburg, Leverkusen to kind of be grandfathered in uh, as being supported from their uh, factory companies. Uh, Hoffenheim did bad enough as it is. Uh, Leipzig, you have Bayern and Dortmund who have even got large stakeholders in them, though I would say a lot of uh, the fan base comes from just, you know, fans who have been drawn to the success of the clubs. I just hope that this doesn't create a situation where 50 plus one might go away. Cause I know this is a very passionate subject for you. Yeah, definitely. I think the, uh, 50 plus one issue, especially given the Kaiser Slauten story, um, and the general repercussion of repercussions of the corona crisis um it's definitely something that has been discussed in germany um i generally think uh german football must do everything possible to keep the 50 plus one rule intact um and strengthen it instead of finding trying to find ways to um to to make it weaker or or to to bring more investors into football um people have to remember that before football is a uh sport here in germany it's a social phenomenon and given how connected football here is to the to local communities to cities to regions um to uh, all sorts of traditions in certain regions well, i mean here in cologne it's probably one of the best examples um you have a, a city which has um a few things which make which make it special one of them is of course carnival and all the traditions that come with it uh, the dialect the beer kölsch um, Oof, love it love it club. you're one of the only ones but <laughs> not many people <laughs> but um yeah, I mean, FC Köln are the sort of a unifying effect of all those things together. They We sing carnival songs when we go to games. We use the local dialect when we go to games. We drink Kölsch when we go to games. We celebrate carnival together. This time, this time it was in Berlin. Um, fantastic away day. 5-0, uh, 5-1, five, five whatever it was. Can't remember. Was too drunk. Anyways, bottom line. 5-0. <laughs> um, yeah, it's... If, if you say so. Um, basically, um, spent a wonderful day in Berlin dressed as a 
what was I that day? A chicken or a corn? Can't remember. <laughs> Bottom line, it was a wonderful day. And this just goes to show the sort of uh, uh, social structure that football makes around here. And that's as a direct result of the fact that members um, have power over their clubs. They have the power to determine the ideals their club stands for. They have the power to determine um, the people that lead their club uh, when it comes to its uh, uh, to its president and its vice presidents. Um, and those things make sure that football here, no matter how successful or unsuccessful it would be on sporting terms, it would remain um, this massive social phenomenon going forward, which I think is a massive, massive issue for German football. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see how they deal with it in the future. Well, let's hope that the future is bright as things kind of set, get a little bit more settled. Perhaps the fans will be returning to the stadium just a little bit sooner and we can all go uh, from the uh, in Cologne's in uh, position from the Konadam all the way out to the uh, the Rhine Energy Stadion. Yeah, here's hoping that we here's hoping that we that the good days will uh, uh, return again to the Bundesliga. To that, a uh, little bit happier note that I'm putting in. Uh, it is time for our favorite uh, segment breaker. Right before we get to our uh, predictions for Eintracht versus Köln, because I think it. In this Corona pause uh, era, you just never know what can happen from match to match. So I think that beer can uh, uh, give people, you know, uh, pr- predictionary uh, uh, traits that you, I think that uh, my beer uh, that I have for hashtag what are we drinking will be able to uh, g- elicit a very positive result for the Eintracht. And I think, Felix, you have something as well for hashtag what are we drinking. I do. Uh, it's not a beer, but it is a um, mm. it is a very fitting choice. I feel um, it's not that I chose it because it's a very fitting choice, but it is. Um, I'm again. I'm a. I'm a. When it comes to the city of Cologne, I'm. I'm very patriotic about this city. I love this place. I love the dialect. I, as a foreigner in the city, I made sure to learn how to understand and read and partly also speak the local dialect, which is something the people here don't do usually. Uh, I love the beer, which is a very controversial thing to say in Germany that you love Kölsch, but I do. Um, But uh, I have to be fair and to say that in the fight between um, the most common drink in Cologne and the most common drink in Frankfurt, I will go with Frankfurt. Um, I am a big fan of Apfelwein, uh, Eppler, as they call it in, in Hessen. Um, I hold huge stocks of it at my place in Cologne at any given time. I drink it on a, on a regular basis. I am a massive, massive fan. Uh, today, I am drinking an Apfelwein called Blauer Bock which is very fitting given that Bock is like, uh, you know, us. Uh, The wrong color, but still. Um, Very, very good. Apfelwein would strongly recommend. Um, It's healthier than beer. It's tastier than beer. It has half the calories of beer. um, And I cannot recommend it strongly enough. And it's not as tasty as it's not as sweet as cider, which I find incredible. So if any of you has the chance of trying the Hessen version of apple cider, which is called Apfelwein, apple wine, I would strongly recommend it, and that's my drink of the day. Ippelvoy is always a good choice. It's a shame that here in the United States, it's so blasted hard to get a hold of. 
fails. We were kind of chatting before we got on air of how difficult it is here stateside. Oh, and then the prize for just importing it. It blows my mind how expensive it is and how more people don't drink it. But anyways, uh, I am going with uh, my local uh, beer hall, my local, well, large beer distributor, Boulevard Brewing Company. Uh, their summer seasonal is out, and it's the, the Zon Belgian Witbier. You know, it's got a bit of orange peel that you can de- uh, taste in there. It's, for me, one of the best summer beers that are out there. You know, just sit out, relax, enjoy enjoy a cold one when it's in the warm months of June, July, and August. And to me, it, nothing says summer like a Zahn from Boulevard Brewing Company. To that, I say Prost. Prost. And so, Felix, now that we've had our drinks, we've had our sets, we've promoted our uh, drinks of choice. It's time for prediction time. How are you feeling about this Saturday match between Eintracht and Köln? Not very optimistic on our side of things. Um, I do think that Cologne will get something from the game. I do think it will end with a draw. Um, just because, um, I mean, Eintracht, uh, they won two games on the bounce, but uh, also their time after the corona break wasn't exactly stable. I do see this game ending with like a 2-2 or something along those lines. Alrighty. I'm feeling even more. I'm buzzing a little bit more. It's been a great day that I've had today. And I'm just feeling so positive about the Eintracht especially after recent results. I mean, uh, yeah, piling on the goals against, uh, which would have had a little bit more against Schalke, but hey, you know, uh, taking what I can get, we showed ourselves well in the Pokemon. Of course, we smashed Hertha. I'm really feeling, I'm really feeling it. And I'm thinking that the Eintracht, since we came back from the Corona Palace, have done so well away from the Vodstadion. I say we keep this uh, ship going. And, uh, yeah, I think that the Eintracht is going to come away with a 3-1 victory. And to air, answer the Twitter question that we got uh, from at Ed's uh, Payne, P-A-I-N-E, can we keep up the good play? Yes. The passing, the finishing, the passing, I think, is going to be easier to keep up, Eddie. The finishing, so long as it's not dull, is not uh, to anything other than Doss head, I think the finishing will be good. And so long as uh, you get it to Silva's feet and he's he doesn't have to hold on to the ball for more than five seconds, you know, charging at a goalkeeper, yes, he will score. Or, you know, put it out like uh, Seferovic if you give him more than five seconds because then he's just thinking way too much about it. And we all know how uh, that Swiss striker uh, kind of ended his career. Uh, take away that final goal from him. And uh, yeah, quite interesting time with the Eintracht indeed. So that kind of wraps it up for all that we had scheduled for us today. I'd like to thank Felix for joining the podcast. Where can we find uh, your social media? you in the social media landscape of the world and what are you up to yeah i mean i'm uh, my work could be found uh, at deutsche welle dw.com um i've been uh, covering uh, yeah fan culture related issues and political developments in german football in the past three four years um i'm also available on twitter at f tamsut and on instagram at felix tamsut 
come by. There's lots of uh, updates on fan culture in Germany, and there's lots of photos of hummus because I am Israeli. So uh, <laughs> those are the two main pieces of content that I provide my followers with. There you go. All right, guys. It, it, Felix, it's been absolutely great to have you on the podcast folks you heard where he's got great follow he's got great insight and so definitely look him up on all the social media platforms you can follow us on facebook that is facebook.com slash hefpod also follow the podcast on twitter that is at hefpod email the podcast also the email address is uh, hey eintracht frankfurt at gmail.com so predictions in the Eintracht is going to be playing against FC Cone on Saturday it's the all kicking off at the same exact time it should be pointed out so uh, if you're able to get a hold of the conference uh, that's going to be a heck of a lot of watching uh, nine matches all at the same time so us here in the United States we're going to have a lot of stuff from Fox uh, the Eintracht and Cone is only going to be available on the match pass, uh, sadly. But uh, you know, take it take advantage of the fact that the conference is going to be playing. Uh, we're also going to be on ESPN Play Caribbean and the Caribbean countries, of course, in Canada. That's Sportsnet now, the streaming platform there. Uh, Germany, obviously, we're going to be on Sky Sport Bundesliga is going to be showing us there. And uh, for in the UK, that is uh, btsport.com and the BT Sports app. And, most of, and, and don't forget uh, our friends in New Zealand. That's BN Sports Connect New Zealand uh, so that you can watch the Eintracht there and then and BN Sports Connect for Australia. So that kind of covers all the territories in the English language. If you do, if you happen to live in a territory that uh, is was not mentioned by me, we're also going to be posting that to our Facebook page, uh, facebook.com slash H-E-F-Pod. Message us there and we'll be able to set you up wherever, whatever country or territory you are in so that you can watch the Eintracht. So from Felix and myself, Ryan Sanders, uh, thanks for listening and cheers. Hey, I'm